630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Four and a half minutes left in the third quarter. Hamilton leading Saskatchewan 17-13. First game of the CFL season. Riders quarterback Zach Kalaros knocked out of the game with a head injury. Took a shot, an illegal shot from Simone Lawrence about 90 seconds into the game. Uh, Lawrence wound up costing his team a 25-yard penalty. You can get a 25-yard penalty now for uh, for headshots in the CFL. Led to a Saskatchewan touchdown, but Hamilton is in the lead, 17-13. Cody Fajardo in at quarterback for the Riders. U.S. Open, four-way tie for the lead. Fowler, Shoffley, Oosthuizen, and Wise all sitting at 500 par. Tiger Woods still on the course. He is 100 par, and they are about to tip off. Game six of the NBA Finals, Raptors at Warriors Toronto with a 3-2 series lead. Eskimos Alouettes tomorrow on 6.30, Chad, 5.30 face-off show, and the game will start at 7. NHL season concluded last night with a team this man said would turn it around. I don't know if Rob Brown saw the turnaround quite to the extent of winning the Stanley Cup. Rob, great to have you on the show again, man. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you doing, Reed? I am doing great. It's uh, it's good to talk to you again. We haven't been able to uh, to connect in, in a couple of weeks, so I, I love having you on the show. And you said it, uh, you know, in, I think it was in December, and the Blues weren't doing well. They changed their coaches, and and, and you said, I, I think they're going to make it. I think they're going to make the playoffs. At some point, they're going to put it together. What did you see in them then when they, you know, couldn't beat anybody? What did you see in them then that, that thought they'd wind up being a playoff team? Well, I thought they had the talent level. I thought they made a great move getting Ryan O'Reilly, who I think is you know a top 10 player in the National Hockey League. They had a good defense, a very good defense, a top three that would rival just about anyone in the National Hockey League. Uh, they had a number of injuries early in the season. They had a tough schedule early in the season. I just thought that when they get healthy, this is a team that's going to that's gonna be good. And I felt just looking at the Western Conference that they were a team that deserved to be in the top eight when it came playoff time. One thing they've been missing for a number of years, and I think Ken Hitchcock will be the first to tell you, is they've never had the goaltending that matched the talent up front. Um, I didn't know anything about Billington or Bennington, so that was a surprise to me as well. But I just felt that this was a team that was going to be a playoff team, and the way they played going down the stretch, I thought they were going to be much more than a playoff team because they, they can play uh, hard hockey. They can play good defensive hockey. They have a shutdown guy in O'Reilly, and they just put it all together. And one of those things, when momentum starts going your way, you just ride it as long as you can, and the Blues obviously rode it all the way to a Stanley Cup. One thing you and I often talk about when we watch Oilers games together and do the broadcast, you always say, in your own end, you got to protect the house. And if you're lost, go to the slot and, and figure it out from there, because at least if you drop back into the slot... You might block a shot. You might intercept the pass because the attacking team has to get it. And so many times, Rob, I, I don't know what you thought watching it. You, you know, I mean, you always have such a, uh, a a good technical way to to put it. But so often watching the Blues play, I just thought, you know what? They they might be spending some time in their own end, but everybody's back. 
in that little box in front of the net, and and eventually they're going to get a rebound or block a shot and counterattack. Well, when you're an offensive team playing against St. Louis, it's frustrating when you have control of the puck for large amounts of time, but every time you look up, you don't see a net. You see one, two, three layers of players you got to throw the puck through before it even gets to the goaltender, and that's the way St. Louis played. They had a willingness, and and they had a buy-in from everyone. You know, Vladimir Tarasenko, who no one would ever confuse with, with, with Bob Gainey as a defensive specialist, you saw him throwing checks, blocking shots, hard in his own zone, back-checking. They all bought in. And when your stars buy in, it's an easy sell now for the rest of the team. But, yeah, when, when Boston had control of the puck for large amounts of time, they get the one puck through, but there was never a second opportunity or a third opportunity. Bennington was good at making that first save, but you never had to see him make a second, third, or fourth save very often. There weren't the breakdowns. And in that last game last night, Boston was out shooting St. Louis 2-1, to one, mm-hmm. but the best scoring chances St. Louis had. I mean, they got, the, the for example, the, number, the second goal, uh, a defensive breakdown where all of a sudden Peter Angelo jumps up into the play and he ends up having a, a breakaway and scoring a goal. They scored a, a shot from the slot, uh, one-timer from the slot, the third goal, and then the fourth goal, Sanford, wide open back door. Those are the things that the Boston Bruins didn't get. They didn't get those looks because St. Louis, and I said it, right from the, in the, someone asked me in the morning, who's going to win this game? To me, it was simple, whoever scored first. Whoever scored first in that game was going to win the game, and the Blues scored first, and once they scored, they just sat back and protected that league and, and frustrated a very talented Boston Bruin hockey club. So uh, they, they knew what their strengths were as a hockey club. They played to them. They got the goaltending when they needed. They got the, the, the goals when they needed the, the important goals. And I thought we're very deserving to be the Stanley Cup champ. You know, we often talk with fans after Oilers games about how to attack and dumping the puck in carrying it in and I'm not talking about a two-on-one if you're three-on-three or three-on-four what's the best thing to do and I'm glad you brought up Tarasenko because I remember a play last night he was two-on-two and he crossed the red line and and it looked to me like maybe he'd have a chance to drive right or, or try to create something and he didn't hesitate he fired the puck into the corner Schwartz was going full speed he got into a puck battle with the Boston defenseman Tarasenko followed up the play got the puck St. Louis didn't score on the play but, but you know, they kept the forecheck alive and, you know, again, did more to wear Boston down. And, and I thought, you know what, if, if everybody on the ice knows where you're going to put the puck and everybody's going there and it's going to a safe place, no coach is going to criticize you for shooting the puck in unless you have no, a breakaway. <laughs> no, you're, yeah, you're right. But that is, is huge. And it's, it's something that it sounds so simple, yet not many players buy into it. But I, I remember playing for Hitch in junior hockey and we were an offensive juggernaut back we were breaking records for the number of goals we scored but it'd be a beginning of the game we said okay red line dump it in cross cross corner every time you get it dump it in cross corner so now everyone going through the neutral zone was going full speed no one had to slow down to see okay is he going to make a move here is he going to make a pass what's he going to do because everyone knew the puck was going in far corner and that is tough to defend because you as a defender you're trying to hold the blue line and now you're waiting till the last possible minute to turn around. But if the offensive players know, as soon as he gets that red line, he's dumping in, he's now got to step on you. He's either going to beat you to the puck or he's going to absolutely lay you out. And we saw St. Louis do that over and over again. They just punished the Bruins defensemen. So, yeah, it's a buy-in. And I, I think it's one of those things. If you have an odd man rush, yeah, carry the puck in and make a play. 
if you don't have an odd man rush, you dump it into your partner's corner so he knows he does not have to slow up at all. He goes full speed, and you're going to get a scoring chance, or you're going to get at least a, a an offensive zone time, which also tires the team. And I think St. Louis eventually just wore down the Boston Bruins. You, you, you mentioned, you know, Petrangelo getting a goal turned out to be to the game winner with uh, I think it was 7.9 seconds left in the first period. And look, you know, we talk about Marchand, but all the antics aside. He's one of the best players in the league, and he rarely makes mistakes. But he got caught in a weird position, made an awkward attempt to check Schwartz, and then just skated off the ice, and Petrangelo took that ice and scored. I mean, is that just a good player making a mistake out of fatigue or maybe just seeing, like, oh, there's only 10 seconds left in the period, not enough time for something to happen? What did you think? I think fatigue. I think players in the National Hockey League realize how long 10 seconds can be and the things that you're capable of doing. He was on his way to change, and, and a Bruin defense and pinched. And all of a sudden, Marchand was left on an island. And it was tough. When he was on the blue line there, uh, the mistake he made wasn't lunging at the player. He, I mean, he was going to get beat. So he lunged at the player, and actually the player had to put the puck past him. I think it was Schwartz put the yep. puck past him, went into the corner. The mistake he made was then changing. Because even as tired as he was, if he would have stood in the high slot where he was, Peter Angel would not have been open. He might have been able to get a puck to him, but Peter Angel would have had to shoot from a distance. The fact that he left the ice, all of a sudden Peter Angel is like, oh my God, I got a wide open step. He jumps in, and now the other defenders, Bruin defenders, they have no idea what to do because the, the Blues had numbers. So the mistake was when he went to the bench. A tired player on the ice is better than no player on the ice. That's where Mershon made the mistake. And in all honesty, that was the game. Once St. Louis is up 2 nothing, there was zero chance that the Boston Bruins could come back in the third period. Rob, uh, always love chatting with you. I, I know you're going to uh, turn your radio on to listen to Jack Michaels because he'll have some updates on what Holland and Tippett says. I, I know you have the Raptors game on. They are already up seven, three minutes into the game. And I know you're under par for golf this summer, so congratulations. <laughs> well, they, well, this is an unbelievable week. I've, got, I've watched the, the, the Raptors, the, the Game 7, the U.S. Open, and I've watched one World Cup women's game. I'm going to watch the other one on Saturday. Great time to be a sports fan. Awesome stuff, man. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Take care. That is Rob Brown, our Inside the Game analyst for Oilers Broadcast here on 630. I love how he uh, breaks things down and uh, certainly had some great thoughts on St. Louis winning the Cup and winning the game last night. Raptors on fire. Eight and a half minutes to go in the first quarter. They lead the Warriors 14-6. We're back with Jack Michaels. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. Well, the Raptors firing away. They have already made five three-pointers to lead Golden State 17-12 around the halfway point of the first quarter as the Raptors try to put a cap on that series and win the championship tonight. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It is 7.20. My name is Reed Wilkins and my good buddy Jack Michaels, play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oilers, is on the line having uh, just wrapped up his uh, his duties at the Oilers hot stove at Rogers Place. Jack, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good. Are, are we good buddies now? That's a that's a bit of a step up in terms of my introduction. You're hey. you're bringing your A game tonight, Reed. Just because I go out of my way to annoy you and or avoid you doesn't mean I don't consider you a friend. Okay, that's good to know. 
<laughs> I said I was on with Bob earlier today. He goes, "Well, Reed, I never see you. you. Haven't been working very much." I said, "Yes, that's reason number one. You haven't seen me, Bob. Reason number two is I've been avoiding you." <laughs> yes. Well, the the thing about Bob is we have access to his schedule, so when we we know when we could see him, and therefore it makes it easy to not see him. Ah, uh, I was having some fun with Bob today. That was fun. But no, it's great to have you on. And uh, and I know they uh, had the big season seat holder, hot stove uh, at Rogers Place, uh, Holland Tippett and Selmy. Uh, all taking questions. I've been following Brendan Escott on on uh, on Twitter. Let's start with uh, well, I'll I'll start with anything for for you that was really big that you wanted to emphasize right away. No, not really. I, I think the I think the biggest thing is that you know you once again were it, the point was driven home, especially from from Ken and Dave that look there's one reason they're here and they feel like the opportunity is, is there for, they, they feel like Edmonton's a lot closer than a lot of people, you know, maybe outside would, would, would think so, or, or maybe that, that fans would think so. I, I think they've accomplished enough in their careers that the reason they're here would be to potentially, you know, raise another cup. I mean, that, that's from, from their standpoint, I think uh, it was interesting to hear them emphatically say that, yeah, you know, they'll concede the point that they didn't need uh, to take on this challenge. But I think the reason they did is they feel like there's enough pieces to put them at least in the vicinity and, and they can they can see the finish line. So that's, that, you know, somewhat intriguing in terms of just hearing it. Um, you obviously, you know, figure you, you know it. I mean, I... I don't know. I, I, they don't necessarily strike me as people desperate for any kind of job, but uh, you know that's that's really what I would take away is that uh, you know they they feel like there's tremendous upside here and perhaps potential that has not been you know nearly uh, scratched as far as the surface is concerned. One of the announcements we're waiting for is the rest of the coaching staff. We have Tippett as the head coach, Gullison returning as an assistant. Was there uh, anything hinted at there? Well, there was not no update on that. Okay. Uh, All right. You know, I, I think I think Dave though did offer a clue when he said, you know, I'd like to round out the staff with people I really know. So for me, that's you know Jim Playfair. Um, you know, even though he's you know, a, a bit older, you know, maybe that brings Dave King into uh, into a possibility. I mean, these are guys that, that Tip really knows and trusts. And he, he said that. He goes, that's that's what I'm uh, looking to round out the staff with. Now, he has some history with, with Gullitson with respect to the fact that, you know, Gullitson came into Dallas as, as, as Tippett was moving on. But the thing there is, you know, what I, what I took away from that is, he basically gave the re- you know one of the reasons he retained Glenn as an assistant was that he came away with his meetings with the players extremely impressed with their evaluation of him, and so I think the players' reviews on Gullitson might have significantly impacted his retention. Um, you know that 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 became clear that the players had a lot of positive things to say about Gullitson's work, especially on the power play. So. Uh, you know, I, I'm not saying that was the sole reason Gullitson was brought back, but the fact that Tippett mentioned it would certainly indicate it played a role. 
All right. Uh, well, and obviously, uh, you know, Brendan will be filing some reports on this as well. And, and, and you mentioned some of the, that the, they feel they can get there with, with the Oilers. And, you know, Holland said they got to find some cheaper players and get some depth. I, I'm going to assume you would have thrown this out there already when I asked if there was any major news. But I just want to clarify it because some people were asking me about it today. Was there any uh, update or any information at all on Connor McDavid and how he's progressing from hurting his knee in the last game of the season? Nothing real, you know, nothing real, you know, I mean, tangible, you know what I mean? Like just, it's, you know, it's not going to be, it's not going to be a significant thing that's going to have an impact on the season. You know, in other words, we haven't really gotten tangible, uh, you know, details as far as, you know, this is where he's at and he's going to resume, you know, full training on such and such a date. There was none of that. And I, I didn't really expect to get that quite frankly, Reed, as, as you can imagine, um, this was an opportunity really for the Oilers to kind of, you know, get the season ticket holders in front of, you know, three major pieces they've just added. I mean, you add the, you know, the CEO on the business side, who's going to be responsible for those people's in-game experience, and then the head coach and the general manager. I mean, that's, you know, I, I think the Oilers are, are, are trying to get in front of their customers with their top people that may not be as well known in this market as soon as possible. And this was an avenue to do that. As far as meaningful news on McDavid's injury, I mean, I, you know, I don't know, Reed. I think at this point, uh, quite frankly, the best we can expect is, you know, something along the lines of a prepared statement at some point. Jack, maybe I'll see you at the game tomorrow as the Eskimos get going. Uh, it's 2016. You will see me. Uh, 2016, Hamilton leading Saskatchewan in the fourth. And uh, a lot of three-pointers in this game. Raptors up 22-20 on Golden State. And the Raptors come back with a three-pointer. It's 25-20. Still four and a half minutes left in the first quarter. Jack, if this was a late 90s game between the Knicks and the Nets, it would have been 25-20 halfway through the second quarter. <laughs> this was Oh, still- remember, <laughs> I, what I remember are those painful New York-Miami series where it was, you know, 78-77. I was just, just brutal. But, we, no, we're going for, we're going old school. This, this looks like, uh, you know, an old school, uh, you know, Denver Nuggets game under Doug Moe, and they were scoring 150 and losing to Detroit. Uh, I, you'd have to look it up, but there was a game in '84, '85 where I, I think the Pistons won something like 161, 155, and, and that's the kind of pace we're on tap. Which is again, Reed, why you and I are watching the NBA a little bit yep, more than we absolutely. used to, is because the scores are in the 105s, 110, 115 range, and that's a lot more fun for all of us to watch than the 78, 77 slugfest. <laughs> Jack, thanks for checking in. I appreciate the update. I'll see you tomorrow with the stadium, buddy. Always a pleasure, and treat me well on the course Tuesday, Reed, because you know my game needs it. <laughs> That's uh, Jack Michaels, and yeah, we're golfing together Tuesday as well. Hey, a really special Father's Week segment. When we get back, uh, Raptors up five. We'll keep you updated. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Final show 
before Father's Day. I don't have a show tomorrow. We're going to have the football game as the Eskimos take on the Montreal Alouette. So we've done this in years past. We had a segment earlier this week. I love doing these. And uh, we do a, a Father's Week story, uh, whether it's a father-daughter, father-son, some sort of uh, sports combination. And uh, the two gentlemen I have in studio right now, they are going to have a very uh, unique Father's Day on Sunday, and we're going to get into what what they're doing, why they're doing it. That's always that's always the fun answer because when you hear this, a lot of you are going to be like, "Why would you do that?" But uh, they're in from our drops and tonight in studio. Please welcome first of all the dad, Tyler Fakely. Thanks for having us, Reed. And uh, the son, Anthony Fakely. Hello. How's it going, guys? Uh, good to see you. So I, I, I asked you guys during the break, Tyler, you are uh, 37 years of age. Yes, sir. And Anthony, you're 14. Yep. The event this weekend is uh, called River Valley Revenge. First of all, I love that they, they did that because a lot of these runs, you know, will just be called the name of the city and the distance. But Same they put revenge. Yeah. Makes it sound a little nastier. <laughs> so I'll, I'll let you guys explain it. Uh, in terms of the River Valley Revenge, what, what specifically are you guys going to be doing? Uh, it is a trail run of, I guess, ultra distances. So we'll be doing the 50-kilometer distance this weekend. Uh, it is actually the shortest distance of the race. There's 100-mile, 100-kilometer, 50-mile, and 50-kilometer distances. And me and Anthony signed up to do the 50-kilometer. Okay. And, uh, Anthony, what is your history in terms of running attempting completing these ultra distances uh i did two the last two winter river valley revenges and to my knowledge i think i'm the youngest finisher of the 25 kilometer winter one okay so did we just want to clarify for people i mean river valley in edmonton is self-explanatory though we'll, we'll narrow down maybe the exact trails because the river valley is huge but when you say winter one anthony yeah what when what what month was that in January? This and year it, was in January. And it was yeah. outdoors. Yes. 25K. Yeah. So that's at least a couple hours out there. About four and a half. I believe we were four and a half hours. How, so how did you enjoy that? Uh, it was chilly. <laughs> <laughs> what did you, uh, what, well, I mean, it's not always cold. Some, right. some days are warm. How, what was the weather like? What did you wear? Uh, it was like minus 25. Okay, so it was bad? <laughs> this one was a bad one. 2018 was much milder. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or... Uh, a layered shirt and then a hoodie. That was that was good. And what was the footing like? S slippery, <laughs> slippery. Okay, yeah. we actually do have uh, winter running shoes with steel spikes in the base too to help you get some traction on some of the trails. It's uh, treacherous on some of them. So okay, so where and, and we should point out for you, you guys are running on Sunday, but be, some of the longer distances will start Saturday and people will actually go overnight. Yeah. Where in the River Valley are you going to be like, I, I will run in the River Valley. Could I be out just doing one of my casual runs and be seeing competitors or where is it? There's a good chance you'll see us. Uh, it does start at the Wolf Willow Ridge Community Hall. Okay, so just off the west, west the 178 southwest Street, sort yeah. of. Yeah, you start there, and then you get down into the River Valley. Um, I'm we're from the south side of town, so I don't remember the name of that trail. But you get down in there, and you get over the footbridge that takes you across by Fort Edmonton Park. Yeah, the but the dog park one. Yeah, yeah. and then you start a couple switchbacks up there, and then it gets into a lot of single track and. Tell you, a lot of the trails cross 
um, I guess you'd call normal trails you'd see average people on, but a lot of the Todd, the race designer of this course, has a lot of really good single track, whereas if you pointed out to someone, hey, we're going to run that, they'd probably ask you why or what are you doing over there. <laughs> it doesn't look like a spot for an enjoyable run necessarily. It, it's an adventure, right? right. It's, uh, it opens your eyes to parts of the city. You'll be in there for an hour or two and then you'll pop out and realize we're in the middle of Edmonton, right? It's You get lost in the, in the trails. Are there risks of going off course? There is markers out there. There's okay. definitely, you know, you can get in the zone and miss a flag or something, but the courses are generally very well marked. They have sweepers and there's aid stations, I think, every 12 kilometers or 15 kilometers. Okay, so, so even if you're in sort of a more wooded area, there's still, it could be help around. And yeah. If, if, okay. So, so sorry, where does it finish? So you're starting Wolf Willow-ish? We'll actually <laughs> make a complete loop and come oh, nice. back around. Okay. Yeah, if you go on their website, the Canadian River Valley Revenge, there is maps showing the different trails and distances. Okay. So, Anthony, you're obviously, as a teenager, relatively new to this, to yeah. the ultra distances and the trail running. Uh, Tyler, what about you? How, how long have you been doing this? Uh, actually, I think 2016, 2015 is when I really started. Oh, so start- you're pretty fresh to this yeah. too then. Like, that's when I really yeah. started to enjoy running. Um, when I was younger, <laughs> I didn't I didn't enjoy it, you know, but then when I found trail running it was something that was different it appealed to me in a different way than just getting out on the road so okay, okay so i'll ask you guys the big question because a lot of people run and i've i've talked on air you know that i run i usually do a half marathon a year maybe a couple other races but you know it's, it's part of my life and i'll do varying distances just on a, on a you know usually every second day uh but this is this is a this is a long this is a long distance and it's as you said, it's not on the nice path or on a running track in a rec center. You're you're plowing through the bush in some cases. Why do it? I'll I'll, I'll start with well, no, I'll start with you, Tyler. I'll make the dad go first. Why? What's what's the appeal? That's what Why? a lot of people are thinking. Uh, a few years ago, I actually signed up for an obstacle race event down in Red Deer, and I'd done a lot better than I expect expected, and it made me think like this is great. I, I missed doing this. I felt like a kid again, right? So the next closest thing you could get to that is going out and running in the trees and being out there made me feel young again. I, I got a real kick out of it. And as you do it, you realize, you know, hey, it is doable. It's not terrible. It's not going to kill me. And you challenge yourself to go further and I get I don't know. I enjoy it. I get the satisfaction from it. <laughs> what about what about for you, Anthony? Well, I got into it around the same time as my dad. I went like with him a lot, but I really, I, I'm I still am a kid, but I do feel like <laughs> I get a play out there, right? Yeah. Anytime I've around. asked him if he's interested, he's never turned me down. I've never forced it on him. Just said, "Hey, are you interested in this distance?" And every time I've got a yeah. Even this one, I had to check with him about three times. You sure? Oh, yeah, I'm in. Because you've never done a 50. No. What's the longest you've done, even Uh, in training? About... 32 kilometers ish so this is this, so is, this is another yeah. this is gonna be another level you got to push through uh will you guys run together or will you stick close or just you just separate nope. we'll run together especially yeah. for this distance <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> we need each other's support no. one guy has to be the pick up the other guy and i assume that mm-hmm. goes back and forth yeah you take turns the finding yeah. the happy places <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do for what do you do for training how often will will you run because uh, because the risk is 
you know, if you overtrain, are you going to hurt something or strain something and, and be yeah, you don't want to race day, right? Yeah, um, I guess we've been doing it long or regularly enough now that we I train three to four times a week minimum. Anthony has other sports commitments, so he gets as much in as we can. Mm-hmm. We try and get a good solid run a week in with the two of us, and uh, I don't know train as best you can like for a race like this your training schedule is a bit different obviously (laughs) i you know i've logged quite a bit of kilometers this week and last week alone just preparing it's thursday so anthony are you gonna do anything before the race or will you just Uh, rest now i think i'm gonna go for a run tomorrow but then after that i'll be resting so tomorrow's friday yeah so Saturday, <laughs> you'll, you'll, how, how long will you do tomorrow? Uh, no longer than 15 kilometers. Oh, yeah, just a casual 15. Yeah. And do you guys just go out, like, around your house, or will you drive yeah, somewhere and go? Yeah, there's a good like... trail system out by our house. It's okay. the, close to Elk Island National Park. There's kilometers oh, and so kilometers of trails. you can dive right into go. stuff yeah. then. Yeah, I went seven, 16 kilometers today, and I've seen two people all day, so... <laughs> That's, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Can you can you guys stick around? Because I want to ask you. I want to ask you more. We got a, we got a Father's Day uh, special segment here in studio. Tyler and Anthony Fakely, father and son, they're doing the River Valley Revenge on Sunday. Uh, they're doing the 50k race, and as uh, Tyler mentioned, sort of, there's also 50 miles, 100 kilometers, and 100 miles. Yeah. You betcha. <laughs> That's great. If you have any questions for these guys as well, you can text 63630. The Raptors are up 34-32, 25 seconds into the second quarter. Quick timeout on Inside Sports. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. 2.14 left in the fourth quarter. Hamilton leading Saskatchewan 23-17. The Riders just fielding a punt inside their own 40. They're going to start at about their own 37 to try to go down and score a touchdown and take the lead. Raptors and Golden State tied at 35 with 10-12 left in the second quarter. Eskimos, Alouettes tomorrow on 6.30, Chad. 5.30 for the countdown to kick off. The game will start at 7. We had Fred Stamps in studio earlier. One of the great Eskimos, former receiver. He will be honored at halftime tomorrow. Of course, a couple months ago, he uh, signed a one-day contract with the Eskimos and retired. Golf season in full swing. We will do caller number 6, 780-496-0063. You'll get a couple of passes to golf at the ranch. That course is in great shape. Father's Day on Sunday. Looking forward to spending it with my uh, good buddy Bob. That's my dad. And in studio with a couple of guys who will be spending Father's Day together on the trails for River Valley Revenge in Edmonton's River Valley, Tyler Fakely, Anthony Fakely. Guys, thanks again for coming in and uh, and, and sharing your story and, and your passion for, for, for running. Just, you know, from a father-son standpoint and maybe you being the dad, Tyler, maybe it resonates a, a little more, but I want to ask from you guys just the fact that you're you're doing this together that you've, you've found something in common, something very challenging, something that sort of makes you guys unique that you can do together. Yeah, it's... Uh, I was surprised he took to it and enjoyed it the way I did. Um, but I... Yeah, I'm proud of him. I'm really proud of him when we get to race together, especially some of the ones we've been through have been pretty tough. Some of the winter events have been, you know, I've definitely wanted to quit and not cross the finish line and walk away. So when you see him bustle through it and make it to the end, it makes you pretty proud. Anthony, what about for you? 
I do definitely enjoy it. I enjoy uh, it's good bonding for sure. And I know, in, like, even our training runs, we've had like sappy conversations and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> it's good family bonding or father son bonding. You guys both, uh, you know, look very athletic. Uh, Anthony, you're also a football player. Tyler, you look like you know you're you're in, in pretty good shape. Was has sports always been, or some sort of athletics, been a, a part of your connection? Yeah, for sure. Um, I grew up playing sports throughout my life, and then uh, when he was old enough, we put him in football and everything else yeah. that he was interested in playing, and always supported him and tried not to uh, force him into anything. If he wanted to move on to something else, like rugby or whatever else, we supported him and watch him do his best right what else can you do so <laughs> yeah do you guys watch games together when you can yeah as best we can mostly basketball games i don't really like watching other sports i'm sorry I'm, I, like, yeah. I feel so bad i have you, <laughs> I have you away from this this rafters game but you'll be you'll be you'll get the second half right that's when yeah. everything happens yeah <laughs> <laughs> so what what is uh you know, I was ta- we were talking before you guys came on. I know there's a couple other. You got two si- siblings, Anthony, who are younger. Yeah. Uh, what does the rest of the family think about you guys doing this? Whether it's aunts, uncles, other siblings, grandparents. I don't know how big big the family is, but you must have at some point got to like. You must be serious. You can't be serious. Type of comment, or what are you guys yeah, doing? Yeah, that's a pretty calm. You know <laughs> why? Why would you want to do that? You know, it's a common thing, but uh, especially mom on this run. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My wife questions our motives sometimes, but by motives, do you mean sanity? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, because no. you got to be a little bit. There has to be something in there that's a little bit off to make you to want to put your body through this. <laughs> I don't know. You, you get into the pace, and it's almost like. Uh, your brain goes, your body just shuts down and starts moving. It just mm-hmm. becomes a robo- robotic movement like at that. some point, right? So, Meditative state. Yeah. I don't know. You, you get a lot of thinking done. You're, you're at peace a lot of the times, believe it or not. As nobody would probably believe me, but... <laughs> I, I do believe you, and again, I don't run the distances you guys do, but what, it, this is... I, I'm going to wonder if you guys get this same question. When I tell people, like, okay, you know, I, I run, and if it's somebody who's, you know, a non-runner... Then they'll say, well, what do you... And, like, for me, if I go out for a run, generally, it's anywhere between 5K and 13K. So, you know, not long by the standards you guys do, but that's kind of my comfortable distance, makes me feel good, gets gets yeah. me moving in the morning. Things better than nothing. And people always say, well, do you listen to music? And I do not listen to music. And I know I know a lot of people do, but I prefer... I just... I'm there with my, my thoughts. You know, I'm running in the River Valley, or I'm running along... Jasper overlooking Dawson Park and the Riverside Golf Course on the other side, and I'm just either thinking about nothing or just sort of maybe processing some things that are stressing me out and 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 thinking about that. Is that what you guys are like? Well, when I'm alone, I'll listen to music, but when I run with my dad, I won't listen to music so we can like interact. Right. Yeah. What will you guys have on you for the 50k run? On Sunday, what will you take with you to make sure you have? 
Actually, we've been working on our prep sheet. We like even for this distance, we have a drop zone where you can have a bin placed halfway or three quarters throughout the race for oh, you. Oh, okay. So not only do you have your pack that you carry with you, you get your drop bag as well. And we've been working on our list, narrowing it down. But uh, nutrition is a big thing. You burn a lot of calories at these distances. So uh, trying to intake a certain amount of calories every hour so you don't crash, right? Um, obviously electrolytes, uh, gels, different things like that. And then, you know, in your pack, you have, you know, change of socks, a shirt, a different hat for things like that. Right. So what's the, why I didn't even look at the weather for Sunday. Is it hot? Uh, it's supposed to be around 20, I think. So not too bad yeah. then. Not, and what time do you start in the morning? Like six. The start time, six o'clock race prep is 5 a.m so yeah okay. we'll start Way time six sure. so what are you uh, what are you gonna eat on saturday i'm a peanut butter and toast and oatmeal guy oh saturday on i thought saturday, it was sunday no, morning so the, the day before oh, yeah we're having a father's day dinner i asked uh, homemade beef dip and uh cake <laughs> oh you will have some cake <laughs> oh yeah we need you're, you're gonna to burn. Be what you yeah, have to i'll be eating the same thing so you're not big uh, pasta guys or just not this time oh, i don't know i i've been carb loading all week right <laughs> the, the best part of these distances is you get to eat whatever you want right because you <laughs> train funny. so hard so i've been going overboard all week and i think maybe it's time to peter off a bit <laughs> <laughs> see yeah. and you're and you're going to school through all this yeah anthony Tyler, I'm just totally discounting That's the work fine. you do. Yeah, <laughs> he's actually got an exam on Monday. I'm curious to see if he's going to be able to walk in or not. Oh my goodness, <laughs> limping at least. Well, you got the rest of Sunday to study, right? Yeah, <laughs> you can stay awake. What, what, uh, Anthony? I'll start with you. When you do a long distance like this, what part of your body, if anything, gives you the most trouble in the days after, or needs the most recovery time? Uh, in the days after, probably like my my quads because they get real tight okay yeah tyler what about for you uh usually the back of the hamstrings get a little bit tight gotta ice them down get a little bit sensitive to walk around but i can muscle through it now at first couldn't even walk for you know but now <laughs> you're hobbling around <laughs> yeah <laughs> has, has any of you ever had a, a running related injury in the well i guess i know you've only been doing it three or four years but not serious no nothing that kept you off for a while no no well, that's good. You guys are you guys are in great shape. You know what it is for me, because like I said, I just uh, when I do the half marathon in August, that's the first time I've run that distance. Like I'll do longer runs, you know, to get to get ready. So, you guys are probably gonna laugh. The bottom of my feet are just killing me for the next couple of days. You know, yeah. and I and I have you know I have good shoes. I'm not like jumping up and down <laughs> but just like i think just that extra that extra pressure the extra distance the bottom of my feet just ache yeah it's the time on your feet too right spending all those extra hours on your feet even if you're not running just standing around in your shoes right gets you through it too well i'm really glad you guys uh came in it's 43 40 for the raptors halfway through the uh the, the this second quarter anthony you mentioned th is basketball your favorite sport to watch right now yeah so play yeah, playing football but watching basketball yes yeah what about you tyler for I'm a football guy through and through. Okay, and uh, <laughs> CFL, NFL, anything with a pigskin? CFL, NFL, college, all in. Are you guys gonna be able to watch tomorrow? Tomorrow. The Eskimos play. Hopefully. Good. Yeah. yeah. Right on.
That's cool. You guys are into everything. Well, and uh, again, if you guys want to give this a Google, it is, uh, what do they put it? I guess they got to put in Canadian River Valley Revenge yeah. or River Valley Revenge Edmonton. Even if you It'll Google RVR, it's like the second result. And but... I think it's RVR Ultra on yeah. Twitter because I started following them today. So if you want to read more about running distances of 50 kilometers or more, that is the way way to do it. But these two guys uh, filled you in for sure. Hey, and uh, happy Father's Day. Yeah, thank you. That is Tyler Fakely, Anthony Fakely in studio here on Inside Sports on 630 Shot. I gotta, I'll check with you guys next week. I'll shoot you an email to see, see how you're doing as well. Raptors up 43-42, five and a half minutes left in the second quarter of game six. And, uh, well, you know what, Kellen? I think while I was doing the interview, the football game ended. I had I was streaming it online. Uh, it did end. Hamilton beats Saskatchewan 23-17. Edmonton plays Montreal tomorrow, 5.30 for the countdown to kick off. And uh, the game will start at 7. Dave, Morley, Brendan, and Blake right here on 6.30. Chad, besides the Fakeleys, you heard from Jack Michaels, Rob Brown, Chris Kerber, Mark Carcassol, and Fred Stamps. Mark was reporting live from Jurassic Park in Toronto, and he threw in the little tidbit, despite being a Torontonian, his favorite hockey team, the Edmonton Oilers. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy, the studio operator. My name is Reed Wilkins. I'm back on Monday. Enjoy football tomorrow. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.